And uh, there we go. I think that's on. Um, now, baby dedications, they have a long history in the Bible. From Adam and Eve dedicating their child uh, to God, that uh, they're the promised seed, uh, to the Israelites bringing their, their firstborns uh, to the, the temple. Uh, especially the firstborns were dedicated to God after what happened with the, the Passover, what happened uh, with that 10th plague in, in Egypt. And even Jesus' parents brought uh, Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. And even Jesus himself did baby dedications. And uh, I want to read quickly this verse in Scripture. It's Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 13. It says, Then little children were brought to him, to Jesus, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. And so just as Jesus laid his hands on those children and blessed them and dedicated them, we want to dedicate Colton today and lay our hands on him and also on you guys. Baby dedications are for dedicating Colton, but it's also for dedicating you, Steve, and you, Shelley that you guys are, are dedicating your lives as parents to God, that you guys are stewards uh, of Colton, that Colton is a gift from God to you guys, and that you want to raise him in the way of the Lord and teach him uh, the, the right path there, and, and, and by your example and, and uh, by you know, your, your Bible studies with him and, and all of that, to, to share with him the love of Jesus. And also, baby dedications are a chance for all of us, and this is why we do it publicly, for all of us as a church, as family and as church family, I know there's a lot of family here as well, uh, to dedicate... Uh, our commitment to supporting Steve and Shelley as they raise Colton. Uh, it, it, parents can use all the support they can, they can get. Uh, Jennifer and I know it well, and I, I know you guys know it too. So uh, we're, we're going to pray now, and I'm going to ask if Pastor Joseph would also come up, and uh, we'll lay our hands on you guys, and we'll pray for you as we dedicate Colton to God. Our Father in heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ, we are so grateful for the gift of life, for, for Colton, for the joy that he is. I know that he's an answer to prayer for Steve and Shelley. They love him so much. 
And Lord, thank you for their commitment to dedicate their lives to you. Both their own lives, but also they as parents in raising Colton. Be with them, strengthen them. Let your Holy Spirit fill them every day. Help them to raise him right. To show him the, the peace, the joy, the hope that comes from you. In this sinful and dark world, I'm thankful for Steve and Shelley. Please bless them. And Lord, be with each of us here this morning as well, that we will be supportive to them. That we will, we will be there when they need us. And thank you that, that we have been given the family of God. That we can support one another. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering this prayer. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And guys, before you guys go, uh, we have a baby dedication certificate for you. That uh, Yes, and, and I have to, to brag for jo- Pastor Joseph. Uh, he did the calligraphy here. He's quite talented with this, and it's, it's quite beautiful. So I'm, I'm grateful he did that. And then also, this is a gift for you guys as well. Amen. Now we're going to enter the portion of the service that we study the Word of God. And if the AV team could... Turn on the screen. And also, is it possible to turn off some of these lights so that you can see the screen better? Thank you. The sermon this morning is entitled, Pilgrims on the Earth. And before we begin, let's, let's start with another prayer. Let's, let's bow our heads. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the joy that we have in celebrating this church family. And Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit having been with us in this service. Be with us now as we study the Word of God. Help us to understand, but help us not just to understand analytically or or logically, but help us to be touched by the love that you have for us, that we will be transformed by the words that we read, that we will be more like you. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Pilgrims on the earth. This is this time of year that as we approach Thanksgiving, that we remember what happened in this nation's history as we consider the, the pilgrims that came you know, hundreds of years ago, sailed into Massachusetts there, landed at Plymouth Rock, and started a, a new home far away from their home uh, in England that they had, had fled because of religious persecution and they came to this nation. And we celebrate Thanksgiving, that meal, in remembrance that the, the pilgrims, that they found help, and, and they found welcome with the natives that were already there in that, in that, in that land. And that uh, you know, the, the Native Americans like Squanto and, and others helped them in, in how to farm and how to prepare for the coming winter, that they probably would have died otherwise if they had not received that help. And so Thanksgiving is a time where we come together and we fellowship and we have friendship and, and, uh, and we remember that we are better together than we are apart. Now, unfortunately, we also know in the history that that didn't stay 
uh, true. Uh, for eventually, there there was squabbling and, and fighting and, and bloodshed. But at least we can remember for that a glimmer of hope there that for a, a short period there, there was goodwill and, and working together. And so, this morning I want us to talk about the great pilgrim of Scripture, and his name is Abraham. Abraham was a pilgrim as well. And we find his story in Genesis. And if you have your Bibles, please turn your Bibles to Genesis. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 is the genealogy of Shem, of that line. Abraham was the tenth in generation from the flood, and he was the fifth in generation from the Tower of Babel when the nations were formed. And so the concept of nations, uh, nations like the United States, nations like uh, all the nations of the world, uh, was a new concept. It was only five generations old by the time we get to Abraham. And so in Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 26, we're not going to start with Abraham. We're actually going to start with his father, Terah, because Terah was actually supposed to be Abraham. And so in Genesis chapter 11, verse 26, It says, Now Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram, which is Abraham. His name changed to Abraham later. Nahor and Haran. And Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. You see, Terah was going to be that, that person that went to Canaan. But we don't, we're not told much of his story because he didn't make it. It says, they came to Haran and dwelt there. So they stopped halfway, and they stopped in this town, which ironically was named after, which shares the name of his, his son that died, and so maybe he, in fact, he named it after his son. But they came to Haran and dwelt there. Verse 32, so the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. All right, so Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now we got the backstory of Abram. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family. And from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse, those, curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And it says in verse 4 there, that so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him, his nephew. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And they traveled, and, and they, they went where God told them, and they ended up where his father was, was supposed to have been. They ended up in Canaan. Now, this is, this is a promise that God gave to him, that gave to Abram, that he was going to make him uh, of him a great nation, that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. That's quite the promise. That's quite the, you know, that's, a, that's almost like a heavy burden, a heavy responsibility that's given. It's a, it's a great honor that was given to Abram. There, there's nothing that's particularly special about him that we know. But 
we do know that he was followed God and that God called him to go to Canaan. And we know that what made Abraham great is that he went. He listened. Unlike his father, he did go all the way to where God had called him to go. And so they dwelt in Canaan, and uh, various things happened there. At one point, his nephew Lot and his family were captured in a war, and Abraham uh, saved them, rescued them. So they've been dwelling there a while, and if we skip ahead to Genesis chapter 15, after they've been in the land there for, for a bit, you know, Abraham's still waiting for God to, to fulfill his promise, you know, make him a great nation, that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. And so in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, it says there, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. Exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? See, Abram and Sarai still did not have a child. And Abram was, you know, he's getting up in age. He's like, well, I'm just going to have to give my stuff to my servant here. But, you know, God's not fulfilling his promise. But that, in verse 3, it says, Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. But Jesus says in verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then verse 5 says, It says, Then he brought him outside, and he said, Look, now toward the heaven, look up, Abraham, and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Now, have you ever tried to count the stars on a, on a clear, dark night, you know, when the stars are shining brightly? It's kind of difficult. <laughs> and people have tried, and, and apparently it, it's been counted, and, and the visible stars at any moment are something in the thousands. I don't remember the exact number, and it depends on where you are on the earth. But that's a lot of stars. Now, Granted, that's only the stars that we can see. There's actually a lot more stars out there. In, in fact, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of billions, billions of stars out there. I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable number of stars that are out there. I mean, there's, there's more stars out there than the combined seconds of every human that's ever lived. I mean, there, there's a lot of stars out there. <laughs> um, and, and, and so God is saying, Abram, you're, you're focused on what is happening in front of you. You're, you're seeing what is, is in your own household. You're seeing that you don't have a child. But why are you doubting me? Look up. Look at the stars. Look, look, look at what I have created. Look, look at, look at the, the, the universe that, that, that I have made and, and, and count the stars. And, and, and every time you look up, every time you see the stars, you'll know that I will keep my promise. And it says in verse 6, and it says, And Abraham believed in the Lord. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. You know, Abraham, he didn't see the promise. He didn't see the reward. He didn't see the child in front of him. Sarah was not pregnant, but he believed. And it was counted righteousness. And so, Abraham, you know, he's out there. He's looking at the stars. And, I, you know, in their day, you know, they, they were much more outdoorsmen. He, he had, you know, lots of sheep and cattle. They lived in tents. And so, he could probably go out every night and stare at the stars. My, my mom and I were in uh, Israel with some of the other um, uh, pastors here in Wisconsin uh, earlier this spring, and we went to the desert 
uh, in, in uh, Saudi Arabia area in, in the country of Jordan. And y- you go there, and, and at night, it's so pitch dark because you're far away from any civilization. You don't have any light pollution. And it's just amazing to see the stars and to think that this is what the Bible characters got to see all the time because they didn't have the light pollution like we have today. And, and, and to, to see all those stars in the sky, and it's, it's amazing. It's, it's awe-inspiring. And this is what Abraham was able to see every night. He was able to be reminded of this. Well, the story continues of Abraham's life there. Other things happened. Uh, eventually, they did get a child, even though they both struggled with, with the, the doubts there at, at one point, and Sarah laughed, and, and, uh, but they eventually did get their promised child. They also had a, a bit of a struggle there with what happened with Hagar, but um, uh, poor Hagar. But, uh, but they eventually did receive the child of promise, Isaac, who, whose name means laughter. And, and they, you know, he brought them much joy and laughter. God had kept his promise. But in, in Genesis chapter 22, in Genesis chapter 22, God does something very strange. And some people even struggle with the story. Like they, they say that how can the Bible have such a horrible story like this? But in Genesis 22, in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Abraham knew God's voice. He had been talking to God for decades. You know, he had been talking to God his his whole life here. Ever since his father Terah had died, he was now the patriarch of the family, and God had been speaking to him. So he knew God's voice. And it says, then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I tell you. God here is telling him to have child sacrifice. The thing that's very condemned in Scripture, the thing that that God told them to wipe out whole nations because these nations practice child sacrifice. God is asking Abraham to perform child sacrifice. Why would God do that? You know, how terrible a thing for God to do that, right? But we need to remember, this is Abraham we're talking about. Abraham was promised from the beginning that God would make a great nation out of him. God, and, and, and it says that he believed, right? He believed that God would keep his promise. And, and, and God did give him the child of promise. And God told him specifically, you know, it's, it's not Ishmael, it's Isaac. It's through Isaac that, that uh, you know, all the nations will be blessed. So, so God, Abraham already knew that God kept his promises. And so perhaps even, you know, it's somewhat surmising, but perhaps even... Abraham knew that no matter what happened, God would still keep his promise. That even if Isaac was killed on the, on the altar, that God would even raise him up. Because God had promised that it was through, going to be through Isaac. So Abraham believed. And he took his son and, he, and they took the stuff for the sacrifice. And Isaac noticed that they had everything they needed except they didn't have a lamb. And, God, and Abraham responded that, that God would provide the, the offering. And they went up to the mountain. Now, I'm sure Isaac was no idiot. I'm sure that he realized what was going on. And he could have easily overpowered his older father. But he also was willing to follow God's leading. And you can imagine the kind of training as a father that Abraham had for his son Isaac, for them to have that bond and that trust in each other and in God. But they they set everything up on the mountain. Isaac was laid on the altar. Abraham had the knife. He was ready to slay his son, the son that he loved, his only son. You know, all this was promised that it was going to be fulfilled. And he was ready to slay his son. And in verse 11, it says, Genesis 22, verse 11, it says, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad, do, do, or do anything to him. 
For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You know, we had a, a baby dedication this morning. I, I don't know if, if God offered, you know, asked us to, to sacrifice our child like that if we'd be able to. But Abraham, he believed, and he knew the voice of God. And God was honored. And it says in verse 13, Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of this place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And, you know, what a wonderful conclusion to a really, you know, scary and and jarring story there. But it continues there. The story doesn't end there. It says in verse 15, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham, you know, the same angel that stopped him. It says, It called to him a second time out of heaven. And he said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, Blessings will I bless you. Blessings I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sands which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. You know, it's the same promise that he had given earlier. He was telling him again, look up at the stars, remember. And as the sand of the seashore. Have you ever tried to count the sand on a seashore? Good luck. <laughs> in your, and, and again, there's more stars in the universe than there are sands on the seashore. Um, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, this is a promise to Abraham. This is a promise to his descendants. Not only can those who are descended, not only could Abraham look up in the sky, but all of his descendants could look up into the sky and claim this promise. And it's interesting in this verse that it goes from talking about the plural of nations when it talks about the seed. You know, it says all the nations of the earth, or through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The word seed there is not plural, it's singular. It's not talking about his children, all his children. It's talking about a child. It says that through a child, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we know who that child is, right? I mean, we're good Christians. We know, that we know who the child is, right? It was Christ. It was Jesus Christ. That many generations later, God did fulfill his promise. And through that child, all the nations of the earth were blessed. But the thing is, is that it's not only those who are genetically descendants of Abraham who can claim this, this promise, but we can too. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, Paul says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, we can all be adopted into the family of Jesus. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8. And so all of us are children of Jesus, and so all of us are children of Abraham. And so the same promise that was given to Abraham, that every time he would look up in the stars and he would know that you know, through the seed of Abraham, through, through the, the child that was to come, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So too, every time we are out in the night and we look up at the stars and we see the stars, we can claim that same promise. That God's, that's God's promised us. Those stars are his promise that he, we have a whole family, you know, a huge family, a nation, and that there is the child, Jesus, who's a child no more, who but is the conquering king, who will bless all nations. But it's interesting to note that Abraham, when he was there in Canaan, when he was 
you know, living in the land of promise. He wasn't living like it was the land of promise. You know, it was it, the land of, of Canaan, that's, that's the promised land, right? That's where the Israelites wanted to get to. That's where they, you know, this is the land that God has given us. Why did Abraham live in tents his whole life? Why did he not settle down? Why did he not make a home? Why did he sojourn there? Why was he a pilgrim? And Paul talks about this in Hebrews chapter 11. You know, this sermon was pretty easy to write because Paul did all the hard acts of Jesus. Um, in Hebrews chapter 11, and starting in verse 8, Paul draws out the conclusion that we should take from the story of Abraham. It's not that God promised to Abraham and promised all his seed, you know, promised us because we're children of Abraham. It's not that we're promised some land in, in Palestine. No, it's something different. Remember, Abraham was told by God to look up, to look at the stars. In Hebrews chapter 8, sorry, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He was just following God's leading. And it says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, not as it was the land of promise, not as it was his home that God had promised him, but it says, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Why did they not settle down? Paul says, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, he wasn't looking for a home here on earth. God had told him to look up. You know, we get really focused on the small things in life. <laughs> and we get focused with what we have right now and the home we're trying to make and, you know, all that kind of stuff. God said, you're so focused on, on what's below you, but I made all those stars. You know, around all those stars is planets. And you know what's on those planets? Amazing things. You know, there, there's unfallen worlds out there. We're, we're going to have all eternity to explore the promised land that's right above us, right? God promised all of that to, to Abraham, and he promised all of it to us. In Hebrews, continuing in Hebrews 11 there, it says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Paul here is very generous to Sarah and to Abraham. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that are descendants of Abraham today, but I don't know if you could say there are as many as the skies, <laughs> as the stars in the skies or as many as the sands of the seashore. But again, God's promise goes beyond just the genetic descendants of Abraham. It's promised to all of us who believe, who believe in Christ. It says, Those, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. This is not the promised land. This is not our home. We're only pilgrims here. We're looking for a better home. We're looking. God didn't promise us this earth. He promised us the stars. He promised us the universe. It says, For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. You know, Abraham could have focused on the life he was making there. When he had that scuffle with Lot about where they're going to go, Abraham didn't care. He said, You choose. I, I don't care. I, I'm a stranger here. I'm a, I'm a pilgrim here. I'm looking for something better. This is not my home. You know, Paul here is doing exegesis of Abraham's story here. It says, But now they desire better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So, 
Again, what Paul here is saying about Abraham, what he's saying about Isaac, what he's saying about Jacob, what he's saying about Sarah, is also true of us. Or at least it should be true of us. When he says here, I'll I'll go back here, when he says that they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, do we confess that we are strangers and pilgrims on the earth? You know, again, in in Thanksgiving, we, we think of the pilgrims, we think of our nation, we're, we're thankful for the religious liberty that we have here. But is this our home? I mean, it is our home for now, but is it our home? No. Do we confess in our hearts and in our actions that we are strangers and pilgrims on the earth? Where is our country? Where is our homeland? Where are we citizens of? Where are we citizens of? Heaven, right? That should be our home. That should be our native land. And it says here that, that they could have returned to their country they would have had opportunity if they had focused on it. Do we consider, you know, going back to what we have here? You know, like, like Lot's wife and looking back at Sodom and Gomorrah, do we look back at what we have here and get distracted from where we're going for the country that God has promised to us? You know, he's, he's, he's promised us a, he- a better country, a heavenly one. Do we desire it? You know, God is not ashamed of those who call him their God and are citizens of heaven. You know, Paul really draws this out, going back to Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This, who are your fellow citizens in the country that you are a citizen of? You know, the citizens of heaven, who is your countrymen? Everyone, right? Hopefully everyone here, you know, there, there might be people in this world that aren't, but can we tell the difference of who's citizens and who's not? Can we judge the heart? Do we know who's making to heaven and who's not? We kind of got to treat everyone as citizens, right? Right? And we got to love them, right? And, and, and what is patriotism in God's country? How, how, how are we patriotic in God's country? How do we honor our nation? By, by, by treating well the, citizens, the fellow citizens, right? By... by, by you know, honoring that nation by, by, by working for that nation, uh, for that heavenly country. Paul has said that, you know, we can get so fixated on, on, on the different ways that we divide ourselves here on this world. But, but Paul is saying there's, there's no such division in heaven. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And as citizens of our country, you know, as, when you're a good citizen of a country, you have to follow the, the laws of that country, Right? you're held accountable to those laws. If, if you're not a citizen of that country and you're just there, you can be held to a different standard. You can be, you know, seek, um, you know, protection from your own country. But, you know, we're strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Where is our citizenship? And, and the, really, all the commands, all the laws of God's kingdom are, are, are this. They're all in here. But I think one verse I could, we could spend four, five hours on verses in the Bible that show the God's law, but I think one of the best ones here is in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. So what is good? What is, what is good in God's kingdom? What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And this is talking about how we treat our fellow citizens of our country, how we deal with each other. Uh, there's a, a quote I have from uh, a Jewish rabbi, uh, A.W. Strine, I think is how you pronounce his name. I could be wrong. But A.W. Strine he, in, in looking at this verse, you know, in drawing out the application to it, I have it on the screen here. This is a uh, tweet by 
Jennifer Garner, but um, she's sharing the quote. But this quote says, do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. You know, when we look at all the terrible things in this world, we can think, man, how do we solve all of this? He says, don't be daunted by it. Do justly now. We're not citizens of, of heaven someday. We're citizens of heaven now, right? Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. And as, as Seventh-day Adventists, we should know this better than anyone because in, in our, the message that God has given us to the world, in the three angels' messages, it says in Revelation 14, verse 6, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. You know, Abraham's seed was able to bless the whole world because the gospel is to the whole world. And we are to go to the whole world. And, and all of them are the family of God. I'll close with this slide here. This is a painting by Nathan Green, very famous Adventist painter. And the title of it is The Family of God. And I don't know how well you can see it there, but some of you might know the painting. Uh, but in the picture there, in the painting there, there's, there's a wide variety of people with different backgrounds. No, no two people are the same there. And, and that's what the family of God is like. This is our, this is our citizenship. This is what our nation looks like. Right? This, is, this is the kingdom of God. And so I want to challenge you today as we leave this place, as we consider, you know, what is our focus? Are we looking down or are we looking up? I want to challenge you that, you know, if, I might step on some toes here, but if you squabble over whether Republicans or Democrats are the truly evil party, you know, which one is more evil? You are no better than Joab and Abner fighting over the kingdoms. When David said, God will give it to me in my own time. You know, if, if you fear all Muslims are terrorists and do not want to live near them, you are no better than Jonah. You know, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, the Syrians who were the terrorists of his day. They're way worse than anyone today, if you study the history of the Syrians. You know, if, if you trust your government to keep you safe and to solve all your problems, then you are no better than the Israelites in Samuel's day, wanting a king. If you want everyone to conform to your culture and standards, you are no better than the Pharisees. If you think that everyone in heaven is going to look, talk, and act like you, then you are in for a disappointment. Again, if you want to go back to your, to your country where you came from, if you want to go back to Ur of the Chaldeans, you can do that. But I challenge you to look, to look up, to look at the stars, at the, the, the inheritance that God has promised for us. Let's, let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are pilgrims on the earth and strangers. We are foreigners, every single last one of us. Help us to keep it that way. Yes, we have to be here. We too have not seen the promises fulfilled, like Abraham didn't see his promise fulfilled in his lifetime. You have promised us things as well, promises that, that you are coming back soon, promises that you are going to to make a new heaven, a new earth, there's going to be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more sin. We cling to those promises. We cling to all the many promises in Scripture, the hope that we have in you, the blessings that we have from you. Some of them we might see fulfilled, and many we might not see until the kingdom. Help us as we walk our daily walk, as we are pilgrims here. Help us, like Abraham, to keep our eyes looking up, Keep our eyes fixed on you. And Lord, help us to be good citizens of your country. 
Help us to treat well the fellow citizens of that country. Help us to love each other as you love us and to see each other through your eyes, to see the immense value of every single soul. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had together, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.